Let's have a word of prayer. Father, here we are once more, gathered together to be able to learn more about you. Without your Holy Spirit, we can't do anything but just read and talk. But through your Holy Spirit, you can enlighten us, you can inspire us, and you can truly make us your sons and daughters. So our prayer tonight, Father, help us to find an insider glimpse of you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, any questions from last night? No? Uh, I'll share a little what I consider to be good news. Uh, I got received a phone call today from Ed Parkinson. Some of you may know who he is and some of you don't. He's head of the HR department and, of course, uh, Elder Pedersen's uh, direct assistant. And they asked me in a camp meeting this coming year if I would be the morning speaker again. Sure, why not? Good. So you all are going to get woke up out of bed whether you like it or not. <laughs> I want to remind you this statement. Why is it that Satan doesn't meet the resistance that he should? It's because we as his people have so little real connection with Christ. That's what the problem really is. Because it's by our connection through our relationship that we're saved. Not any of the other stuff that's just religion. Okay? And so by being connected to Christ, we begin to find something totally different. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And so many of us, I myself have said it, you know, well, I'm trying hard. I hope so. You know, I, I, I want to be, rather than just looking at him and saying yes because Jesus said so. And it gives you a complete comfort and peace of mind. And so as a result, I want you to think about this thought. Now, most of us last night were able to accept the fact from the other night that, you know, the bad news about the gospel is whether you came in in the last moments of Earth's history or whether you've been in all of your life and been privileged to spend time with the Lord, we can't earn God's grace. It's a gift. It's impossible to earn it. And we need to get that through our minds because Satan uses it so well, especially with our good works. This is some things that keep us up at night, but it's not all of them that keep us up at night. When we think about the text, and I want you to turn over Revelation chapter 3, and I can remember, how many of you ever had uh, Satan use the scriptures against you? Huh? He has me, you know. Just, I mean, and by the way, he knows them quite well. And we find here in Revelation chapter 3, and we look at verse 5. What does it tell us? Revelation 3 and verse 5. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and his angels. And so as a result of that, when we read that text, 
What do we think about? What do we need to do? Overcome. Yeah, we need to overcome. And if we ask, 90.9% of the people overcome what? Sin. Have you tried? Very <laughs> discouraging. Amen. About the time you get up, you're back down again. Y'all remember from the uh, series we had, I told you about my personal experience. And, you know, about the time I thought I was really making progress, I was working on number three. Number one was back. You know, I mean, I'll never do this. And I only had nine at the time, guys. I mean, I was a pretty good guy. You know? But what a discouragement that it is. When we look at this and read into it, overcome sin. Now, you know the amazing part? In one way, it does mean that. But notice it says overcome what? Go ahead, you can say the word. Sin. Sin is what we're talking about, right? If you turn back to Hebrews, Chapter 12, just a few pages over. Hebrews chapter 12. We find here, Paul addresses this. And here's what he says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Wherefore seeing, we also are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Where do we find these witnesses? Hmm? Everywhere. Okay, we can find witnesses everywhere, that's right. But what do you suppose Paul is talking about? The witnesses we find in God's Word, amen? Yeah. Okay. I mean, have you ever read, you know, some of this stuff, guys? You know, about some of these people? I mean, hey, we're pretty good people in comparison, amen? I mean, if we want to look at these people and measure ourselves, why, you know, we don't have much work to do at all. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we've never killed somebody. We've never, you know, went and got somebody else's wife and killed them to be able to keep her, keep the wife. You know, we've never done some of this stuff. But yet, God says, you know, David was a man after his own heart. And we think, what? How can you forgive him for doing something like that, Lord? And first of all, he asked. And if we ask, what does it say? To forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sin is sin to God. It doesn't matter which one it is. But I want you to notice as we go on here, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us let us run with patience. With what? Patience, the race that is set before us. Now, lay aside every weight. Have you noticed Satan will come along with all kinds of junk? Amen? But also, the sin. Now, is that singular or plural? It's singular, isn't it? The sin that so easily besets us. This really disturbed me when I first read that. And I thought, what is the sin? If I'm going to overcome sin, 
What sin do I need to overcome? Well, I've discovered the sin that so easily besets me is to set out trying to live my righteous life on my own efforts. And I am so discouraged when I do it. And it's so easy to get into that trap. It's so easy to be able to try to look and see if you're measuring up. But the Bible says you can't measure up. So ask the Holy Spirit to come in, and he will overcome. You know, the famous uh, text, Adventist text, it was written for Adventists because they use it on everybody, found over in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. If you actually read here, it says, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. If you actually read that, whosoever committed sin, is that singular or plural? It's singular. If you actually go back to the Greek, if you commit the sin, okay, trying to live your righteous life on your own efforts, you will also transgress the law. And transgressing the law is sin. Does that make a little bit more sense of that text? Okay. This is why he said it this way. If we ask Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit every day to come into our lives and say, not my will, but thy will be done. Okay. Whose responsibility is it then to keep us from sinning? It's Jesus' responsibility. Now that ought to take a lot of pressure off of you. Okay? By him taking the responsibility and said, hey, let's just hang out together, okay? And I'll make up the difference. You just got to be willing. That's all you got to do. But, you know, Satan can use these texts against us so much that if we're not careful, even with the scriptures, okay, how many of you ever read the text that says, you know, if you sin, God ain't even going to hear your prayer? You read that one? You know, and you don't think your prayer went any higher than the ceiling, and you're thinking, this is useless. That's the devil talking to you. Okay? All you have to do is just say, Lord, forgive me. Will you? Yes. And you say, Lord, come and live in my life. Will he? Yes. You see, all the pressure's gone. And we, as the Seventh-day Adventist people, have put ourselves under so much pressure over the years. Sometimes, folks, we can't even see. And the only way we can cover up sometimes is by pointing out how bad somebody else is because that makes us feel we're okay. Doesn't matter. We're still wrong. How does obedience fit in with what we believe about salvation through faith in Jesus alone? This is such a misrepresented subject, okay? And people get off on each side of the tandem. When we look at this, what options are available to you when you see your gap between your performance and God's standard of obedience? Anybody ever felt that gap? It's a big one. And it's different for each one of us. As we look at that, you know, I, I've heard it said before, Maybe at one time 
you might even have thought that the solution was simply getting older. You know, it's righteousness by senility. I've reached the point, I'm 68, I'm telling you, it ain't working. Okay? So that's not the answer. And as we begin to see what's going on, there is a gap between our obedience and God's standard. Definitely. And Satan wants you to see and concentrate on the gap. That's what he wants you to do. Because why? If he does, you're going to be a miserable Christian. Miserable. And nine times out of ten, you're going to make other people miserable. You know, we're told the very last signs before Jesus comes is to try to eliminate the investigative judgment. We talked about that last night. And the other is to eliminate the spirit of prophecy. You know, whenever we're talking to somebody, we ought to always say, thus saith the Lord. Okay? I work with a lot of new people. I know Pastor Stan does too. And I try to warn them against some of these people that are so quick to be able to quote, you know, Ellen White in the spirit of prophecy. And you know what I tell them? Here's how I tell them how to handle that. You know, that's an amazing thought. I like that. Where do we find that in the Bible? Now, you know, a lot of them will go off talking to themselves because they can't tell you where it's found in the Bible. And I can tell you right now, Ellen White would tell them, stop doing it and stop reading what I wrote until you have a thus saith the Lord for everything you believe. Don't quote me ever again. And I can show you quotes that she said that to people. Okay? We need to know what the Bible says. We need to have a testimony about the Bible. But we're told one of the last things that are going to happen is, of course, to get rid of it. We've seen both of these under major attacks. So. Most Christians, in name only, can solve the problem in one of three ways. First one, salvation was guaranteed at the cross. Second one, only believe is all a person has to do. And the third one, no one can keep the law anyway. You ever heard these? You know, the amazing fact, there's a little bit of truth in each one of them. You know, was salvation guaranteed for any who would accept it at the cross? Absolutely. If you believe and apply Jesus' blood, you are saved through that. But everybody won't be saved. Why not? They don't choose to be. It's that simple. You know, is all we have to do is believe? Now be careful how you answer. It really is. All we have to do is believe. Isn't that a true statement? If you believe, you will not what? Perish. Isn't that right? So believing is important, but we also have to believe in the power that God has to give to us. Does that make sense? Not just believe and go on about doing what you're doing. You know, the Baptist faith is one of those that I think, you know, is really, really making people self-secure. You know, they can get somebody to come to church, 
the, the pastor will preach a great sermon, make an altar call, people will come forward, they'll take them in right then, baptize them right then, and Monday night they're back at the same bar, sitting on the same stool, drinking the same beer, smoking the same cigarette, and they're not concerned at all because after all they're saved. Hello? That's why the Bible says we need to teach them first. Amen? Number one, pal, let me tell you something. Jesus ain't going with you to the bar. Number two, I don't care if you order him the best beer that was made. He isn't drinking one. And you can offer him the most expensive cigarette in the world, but he's not going to smoke it. Hello? They need to hit, the people need to learn this. And if they learn this, then they're learning something else. And of course, no one can keep the law anyway. Isn't that a true statement? It is a true statement if you take it the way it's stated. How many of us can keep the law? But we can through Jesus Christ living in us. Does that make sense? You, you see how clever Satan is? You know, he takes these statements, and there's truth in each one of them. And I can tell you, I've heard some preachers preach on this, that I'm telling you, when you listen to them, you're probably tempted to believe them. And, and it's not just out in the world. Hello, I've heard them preach right here within our own churches. And yet we need to carry on. Believe me, it came right into the church, friends. There are very, very heavy forces that are trying to cause us to simply accept the theology of the rest of the Christian world. It's that simple. Just admit the investigative judgment is a farce and that the spirit of prophecy is a hoax. This is why it's so important for us to understand the mission of our church. The mission of our church is not to convince everybody on the investigative judgment. It's not to convince anybody on the spirit of prophecy. Do you have to be a member? Well, let me put it this way. Do you have to read the spirit of prophecy and be a member of the Adventist church? No. Now that depends on what circle you're in. Okay? Because I can tell you right now, I would have people that would disfellowship me in certain churches, okay, just because I made that statement. But no, we don't have to believe it. God never called us to convince anybody about the spirit of prophecy. What does the mission of the church boil down to? It's very simple. If I be lifted up from the earth will draw all men unto me. That's the mission of the church. To lift up Jesus Christ. When somebody falls in love with Jesus, folks, most of this stuff we talk about is simple. Hello? People who fall in love with Jesus, they don't have a problem with going to church on Saturday. Okay? Why? Jesus went. You, know, you only need one text, Luke 4.16. Jesus had a habit of going to church on Saturday. Hello? You know, Jesus says, I am the way, follow me. Now, how complicated is that? 
You know, we can spend hours and hours and hours using 386 texts proving the Bible, and you can be so right, nobody wants to be around you. Hello? But you know what? God didn't call us to preach the Sabbath. He called us to preach about the Creator of the Sabbath. What a difference it makes. The message of justification by faith. That's God's work for us. You understand? We have nothing to do with that. We can't add to Calvary. We can't take away from Calvary. There's nothing we had to do. It was done for us. Sanctification by faith is God's work in us. And those great big words we have heard before, unmerited favor, and unmerited power. It is unmerited. We don't deserve it. But it's given to us. But if you don't believe in both, you're going to have a miserable Christian life. I'm going to tell you that in advance. Because if all you do is just say, I believe in Jesus and accept his gift, and then you go right on going out and doing your way, not following Jesus, who's being deceived? You are. If you get into the trap that Satan wants you into and you start concentrating on all of the do's and don'ts and everything else, you're going to be so miserable and especially when you fail, you're just going to want to give up because you know you'll never make it anyway. Satan don't care how he gets us as long as he gets us. Do you understand that? So there has to be both. How much of that depends on us? None of it depends on us. All God ever asks, except my son, and except the power that he can do in us. That's all he ever asks. So, and that's really not too bad. The just shall live by what? Faith. The great founding text of Martin Luther and the entire Lutheran church. They shall live by faith. I want you to turn over to Colossians chapter 2. This is beautiful. I've been amazed at how many people don't even realize it's in the Bible. We begin with verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in. What did you do to receive him? Just believe and accept it. Amen. So how complicated is Paul making Now that you've accepted him, then by the same faith you accepted him, accept the power that he will give you to walk and follow him. It goes on. Rooted and built up in him, and established in faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. You know, we ought to be more thankful. And what we ought to be thankful for is what Jesus did and what Jesus is doing. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete. You are what? 
Everybody say it. You are what? Complete. Complete in Him. Let that sink in. You are complete in Him, which is the head of all principalities and power. Just like you accepted Him by faith and that He died for you and you believe He forgave you, simply walk by faith every day by asking Him every day to come into your heart and do it for you. And we will be complete in Him. Remember I said the other night, every person can be perfect in their sphere of where they are. Are you going to stay in the same position the longer you walk with Jesus? Nope. I can tell you that. As long as you keep your eyes on Jesus, as long as you keep him coming into your home, you keep him going with you every day, whether you're at work or whatever it is you're doing, I got news for you. You're going to find changes. Not because you did it, and in some cases, not even because you wanted it. Hello? Let's be honest. Some of these things taste good. Okay? We like them. And, and we ought to just admit to the Lord, Lord, if you're going to change what I like, you're going to have to do it because I like it. But he says he will. And gradually, it will. Be patient. Isn't that what he said? Be patient. But we will be complete in him. He is the answer. John chapter 15. Jesus tells a parable here. It's an excellent parable. He says this, I am the true vine. My father is the husband. So what does he say? Who's in charge? His father's in charge. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it. Who purges it? And it may bring forth more fruit. So who's in charge of purging? God the Father. Amen? All right? Not brother or sister so-and-so. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. We're what? Clean. How long has it been since you felt clean? Okay. You're clean through the word. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine no more than you can accept you and abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch that is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Now that doesn't mean you're going to ask for a brand new Cadillac Escalade. Okay, let's be clear. It's talking about our spiritual life. Does that make sense? You can't even want something spiritual that God won't give it to you. 
Paul says in another place, listen, <laughs> he'll do it abundantly and above not only whatever you can think of, but you can even imagine. That's the power that he gives us and he comes and changes us into a son and daughter of God. And so it makes a lot of sense. Listen, folks, we wonder sometimes why we spend thousands of dollars to do evangelism. I've been doing evangelism, even though I started on my own, since 1984. Why don't we get more people? You know, you want to try an experiment tomorrow? Tomorrow, you know, if you go to the store, if you go somewhere, walk up to a total stranger and just ask him this question. What do you know about Seventh-day Adventist? Anybody want to guess what the answers are you'll get? Is this what we've been giving to the world? Is this what people think? I was in Jamaica, and we were taking a tour bus. And as we were going along, the bus driver was pointing out this and this and this and this and this, right? And we passed this little stone church. And the bus driver says, that's the Seventh-day Adventist church, and they believe in the law. I felt so disappointed that that's what was told to everybody on that bus. And why? Because that's what the bus driver believed. Now, why didn't the bus driver say, that's the Seventh-day Adventist church and they're the most loving group in town Why they help everybody? Hello? Why not that one? Why they believe in the law? What did you say, Heidi? It's not true. In most cases, I'm sorry to say it isn't true. You're right. Did I straighten him out? I had a little chance to add to talk to him, okay, uh, while we were doing the tour. And I just told him, I said, do you know that Seventh-day Adventists believe that salvation is through Jesus Christ, not the law? He said, no, I didn't know that. Now, that's all I said to him. I didn't want to preach at him. But that's all I said. And I said, well, it's true. They believe they're saved by salvation through Jesus Christ. And uh, he just said, thank you. But I'm sad to say, folks, it's true. You know, you've heard me say this before. I've asked questions all over the world. Seventh-day Adventist. If you had five minutes to witness to somebody, you've never met them before, you'll never see them again, and the Lord gives you a window of five minutes to talk to this person. What are you going to tell them? The number one answer? Seventh-day Sabbath. Yes. Number two answer? State of the dead. Number three? Our health message. Five minutes! Are you nuts? Tell them about the creator of the Sabbath. Amen? Tell about how he loved us so much he came down here and was born a little baby in Bethlehem. This is what we want to tell them about. 
Let Jesus worry about the rest of it. Flow. You know, there's going to be people caught up to go to heaven never have kept the Sabbath. We're told that everybody that enters in through the gates of the city will have kept the commandments. How many of them? All of them. Are you with me? And the indication is we will keep a Sabbath before we enter in through the gates of the city. Does that make sense, folks? Who's going to teach him? Jesus. Do you think anybody's going to argue with him? Not one bit. They're not going to try to come up with these texts that they've used before to protect Monday. They're not even going to bring them up. Jesus tells them, and that's good enough. Okay? I'm not saying we don't want to tell people about the Sabbath. You know, because some of you have been through the classes. You know, in every subject, I try to make Jesus the center of that subject. But yes, they need to learn all about it. But we need to introduce them to Jesus and have them fall in love, because if we don't, it's terrible. I'm going to tell you the Seventh-day Adventist Church, as a whole, has this history. They're like going down to Safeway and buying a Safeway peach. Now, some of you look at me and say, what? Have you ever gone down to Safeway and bought a Safeway peach? You know, and your mouth says, mm, boy, this is going to be good, you know, this is great. And you get it home and, what is this? It tastes, doesn't taste anything like a peach, amen? Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. Our witness is like a Safeway peach. But if we were truly lifting up Jesus Christ, who says, if we do this, it's his responsibility, not the evangelist, not the pastor, it's his responsibility to convince people of who he is. What's the secret? Why is a Safeway peach like a Safeway peach? Anybody know? Not a complicated question. It's picked too soon. Hello? It didn't stay connected to the vine to become ripe. And if you've ever tasted a peach that's came off the tree, that's been there long enough to be ripe, you know what I'm talking about. Amen? So what the point? Jesus said, stay connected to the vine. And you'll produce much fruit. But it'll be fruit people want to eat. I'm telling you, if we were truly doing what the Bible says, folks, you'd have to build a bigger church. You really would. Okay? Like reaching your potential. That's right. It really is, Gary. We need to stay with what we're doing. You know, some people don't understand. What do we do? Please live your life in me that I too will do by your power, our Father's will. The Bible says he did our Father's will. But how? Through his power. Ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. I don't see any question mark there to you. I don't see any proviso, do you? Except one. What was it? 
stay connected to the vine. That's all he said. How do we do it? It's got to be a daily thing. You know, you may have a most wonderful testimony of how you first met the Lord, and, 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 and it's a miracle, and believe me, it'll touch people's hearts. But I'm going to tell you, if you weren't saved this morning, you're not saved. That's simple. It's every day. You renew your commitment with the Lord, and you ask him to do his will, not ours. This word abide, if you do a word study in the Bible, simply means to stay. To stay what? Connected. It's that simple. The biggest problem with our church today is we're really not connected to the vine. We spend so little time communicating with Jesus day by day. Everything gets in the way. And we can't do that. That goes back to the statement we read. Why is Satan so successful? Because we don't truly have a connection with Jesus Christ. And that's what we have to concentrate on. Did you spend significant time talking to him this morning? Every one of us can testify to this. Something always tries to interfere. If you understand that you can do nothing without him, then the legitimate place to put all of your effort would be becoming connected with him. Amen? Not trying to overcome whatever it is Satan points out that you have yet fault in your character. Stay connected to Jesus. He'll take care of the fault. He'll overcome it. Some people say, well, I think I'll try it. And, and they, they do try it. You know, Satan comes along and says, <clears throat> this um, relationship deal isn't working. I mean, if it was really working, you wouldn't have said that. Oh, you know, you better try something else. I know he's used that on me. Listen, what can you try after you try a relationship? Absolutely nothing. All he can do is misdirect you back to looking at yourself. And if he is successful enough to do that, he wins. I wish I could say that we'd start the day off and say, Lord, not my will and your will. And, and the day would go wonderful and we wouldn't actually sin all day long. Wow, what a thought that would be, right? But can't really say it. And Satan's there to discourage us. And you know what? All we have to do is admit you're right, we believe. But Jesus says, I'm going to ask him forgiveness. He says he will. Okay? And by the way, Satan, it's his job to get me to stop saying that. Hello? And you'll find yourself stopping. You know? But Satan will be there to try. What does he want us to do? Satan wants us to look into the law and measure us. Have we done it? I admit I have. When I looked into the law and tried to measure up, where did your religious experience go? Into the white porcelain, and somebody was tugging on the handle. Amen? 
That's a fact. You see how successful he is? But understand, isn't the law a good thing? Sure it is. You see how clever he is? He can take something that's good and get you to concentrate on the wrong thing. And all he wants to do is discourage you. That's all he wants to do. But if we look to Jesus, it's very difficult for him to discourage us. Because first of all, we admit we can't do it anyway. That's the first battle anyhow. Okay? Some of us are more strong-willed than others. Some of us can determine not to do something, and we won't. But I got news for you. We got other problem areas. Look to Jesus. As long as we're looking to Jesus, folks, we can always be looking up. We can always be filled with hope. We can always know we are going to heaven because Jesus said so. And I believe that with all my heart. Put this text to remembrance. We've said it night after night. It's found in Philippians 1.6. And it does say we ought to remember some of these texts, right? But this one is one. He which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Put that in your heart. And when the devil comes along and tries to discourage you, just repeat this text to him. Okay? He won't like it. Because he knows it's the truth. See, Satan knows it's not your job. But Satan wants you to think it's your job. Father, please help us to get the message that we need to stay connected together with Jesus daily. Please help us to hide these promises in our hearts. And when Satan comes to discourage us, just remind him of these texts, Father. Bring them to our memory. You promise that if we do this, your Holy Spirit will bring them to us when we need it. Let us be able to put a smile on our face. May others see the fruit of love in us, that they will want what we have. For this is my prayer, that we will fulfill the true commitment, the true mission, and that is to lift up Jesus Christ. For we ask it in his name. Amen. Amen.